Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. As we saw, and as you can verify when you look up into the sky tonight, there's objects out there and there's space. That's basically what the world consists of. And the two dimensions are within you. And humans have become lost in one. So we are here to realize that dimension. Cannot be realized in the future. It cannot be made into an object of a search because it's here now. moment you're looking for it, you create a future. Now what is future? It's a thought form. Apart from that, there is no future except as a thought form. cannot come except as now. So it's now 
the arising of space consciousness or the realization of space consciousness is here now. For example, it happens when you acknowledge not only the words that you hear. Acknowledge simply means pay attention. Notice. Just as noticing here, there are two dimensions just the same as when you look up into the sky at night, you will find there are two dimensions. There are the words here and there's a silent space or stillness in which the words happen. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. How important it is for us to be very, very present. We're either being pushed down by our past or pulled into our future, and we sometimes forget the present. <laughs> you know, the present can be a combination of either of the two. But is it mostly of your past doings or is it with the inspiration, aspiration, or motivation or the aim of the grandness of your tomorrow? Food for thought. I hope you've been enjoying my wisest posts that have been featured on Instagram and America Meditating, Twitter and Facebook. I know that you can get it daily, I think Monday through Friday by now. And I know that many people have been sharing that it's been really changing the way they've been seeing themselves, that every day they get a life question for them to go deeper to check, where am I? How am I doing? How's my heart? Is my heart in a good place? Is it happy? Is it healthy? Is it open? Is it wide? Or is it closed? Afraid? Limited? Restricted? You know, a lot of the things that we feel based on our thoughts, impact the organs in our body. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Sometimes that doesn't make me feel so great, but it is a reality that the way that I think emerges the way that I feel, and those vibrations go into my system. And I feel that if we can start to pay more attention and have that attention on the quality of our thoughts, we could save ourselves a lot of money. A lot of money. Anyway, I want to give a very loud and, and gentle loving kudos to Dr. Reverend Ivy Hilton, who launched at the Meditation Museum her Vibronics Sound Spa, which was incredible. We had a full-to-capacity event, and the interesting experience was that you felt that something was certainly taking place inside of your system and healing you. You just didn't know what it was. But the vibrations of the sound and the energy of the collective definitely was doing something very special. So if you want more information on her work, the website is Dr. Ivy Sound Spa. I think that's what it is. So 
uh, just let them know that you heard about it on America Meditating Radio. So she comes out to various places, conferences, programs, and offers the Sound Spa Healing. If you're interested, give her a call and, again, let her know that you heard about it on America Meditating Radio so that she will always remember that we care so immensely about her. Today we have a very special guest on air, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Arun Singh is a preeminent cardiac surgeon. He has personally performed over 15,000 heart surgeries. He has earned numerous awards as a physician, including the American Heart Association's Hero at Heart Award and the Milton Hamalski Outstanding Physician Award. In practice at Rhode Island Hospital since 1975, Dr. Singh has been voted top doc by Rhode Island's monthly magazine for the past 16 years. He was also elected to the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame, only the second person of Indian descent to receive such a distinction. His new book is entitled, Your Heart, My Hands, An Immigrant's Remarkable Journey to Become One of America's Preeminent Cardiac Surgeons. Today, we are privileged to welcome Dr. Arun Singh to America Meditating Radio. Hello, Dr. Singh. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Sister Jenna. How are you? Well, good morning to you. Aren't you a busy beaver with those hands? (laughs) (laughs) That kept me busy for 41 years. (laughs) I bet. But it must be something that you love so immensely. Well, it is a drive. It is a desire. It is a determination. And uh, I was lucky that I was able to help so many people, so... Mm. So I'm I'm excited about that. I made lovely a lot of impact on a lot of people's lives. So that was a good thing which I did. It does make you feel worthwhile. Now, what made you get into the field of medicine and especially in the area of cardiology? Well, I'm a heart surgeon, sister, and uh, I grew up in India. I was you know, in the 60s, and uh, there was no heart surgery those days. And mm-hmm. I had a terrible injury, if you read my book, and you saw that terrible injury to my hand that led to a paralysis of my right hand, which is a dominant hand. Think about a person who has a disabling, paralyzed right hand. You know, in order to do any work, you really need to have your hand. So I was basically disqualified for doing any work as a child utilizing my hand. I was heading towards the street of India to be a beggar. But my mom said, nope, not yet. And with her determination and positive attitude, I had a multiple procedure done, eventually rehab, and uh, I was able to regain some of my function in the hand. And uh, she tutored me in the home. I never went to school, under, you know, middle school or lower school. Got into college. You know, I wasn't the best student, but I was able to do it. And uh, I wanted to be orthopedic surgeon. When I came to this country, I couldn't do it because uh, I was only 120 pounds, 5'8", and I was dealing <laughs> with 200-pound people, and it wasn't working. So no, I, not and, at all. Uh, it wasn't working. It wasn't, you know. So uh, eventually, I watched somebody do heart surgery, and I liked it. But I wasn't uh, 
good enough to get into a heart surgery, but I practiced and practiced and practiced. I took a sewing lesson, and I used to sew in my room in the night, every night for an hour, hour and a half, and I can assure you my pillows had a better embroidery than many of the past hotel, past hotel in New York and the <laughs> Paris. So I uh, bet. You know, with the determination and a positive attitude, I was able to overcome, and uh, I got into the uh, heart uh, surgery, and, uh, you know, I had to deal with it, being an immigrant, uh, different culture, different sex, different religion, different, you know, everything, Different color, everything, different everything you know, in terms of the culture, Yeah, yes. you know, everything, it's two different worlds. I, exactly. I have the Eastern, you know, Eastern values in the Western world. I've never seen anybody here. I never knew anybody here. I had no relatives, no friends, except for wall. This was a new world for me. So I of had course. to work very hard and to get, so during those period of time, I faced everything. I faced disappointment, discouragement, discrimination, racism, name it. I faced everything, but I was focused. I was determined that yes. this is what I'm here and this is what I want to do. In addition to all of that, Doctor, I also came to find out that even in your early years, your family had even discovered that you were even, was it slightly dyslexic Dyslexic, or I, it was clear that you were no, dyslexic? No, I, I was... I, I was uh, Severely dyslexic, you know. When wow. I was, you know, the I had several. That's why I'm saying I overcame a lot of things besides my paralyzed hand and disabled hand, which requires the most sophisticated, complicated concentration of hand-eye coordination, the highest quality I was able to do. But on the top, I was dyslexic. But dyslexia was not diagnosed those days in the 60s and 70s. So I didn't know. Uh, most people thought that, you know, I have a tongue tie. You know, maybe I should have a tongue cut out a little bit. You know, so I mumbled. And I wasn't getting it, you know, when I read things up. So people thought maybe he's he's slow, he's stupid. But that wasn't all. But I overcame because I worked, you know, most people would get it reading once. I read it three times, four times. I memorized. I had one advantage, insomnia. So I was able to read it three, four times and make acronyms and able to do it. Later on in my training, when I got into medical school and the residency program training, I was told that I'm dyslexic. Wow. Uh, but there's no, But there wasn't any treatment. Dyslexia is a glitch in a language. It is nothing right. wrong to your brain. You know, it's the dyslexic, uh, the normal person, when you see a building block of word, immediately, instantaneously, and uh, able to recognize and able to articulate the word right. called the building block phenoms. But dyslexic don't recognize, you know, the phenoms very clearly, the blurs, so it had difficulty in articulating. And there were so many people in the world who are dyslexic, and they have become a politicians, the scholar, the mm -hmm. Nobel laureate, artists, name it. You know, so dyslexia for sure is no ber no contraindication or no disability that will not able to overcome a lot of these things. You know, you can be dyslexic, but if you work around it, you'll be able to get out of it. 
Right. So, well, good for you. So. Good for you. I mean, just talking to you, I'm just inspired by what seems to be an innate courage, an innate determination, an innate, I'm not worrying about what I can't do. I'm more focused on what I know I can do energy. And that is something that I think we really need to keep sharing with, especially with our youths and people who tend to feel like, you know, they're just giving up. And I want to definitely congratulate you on your new book, Your Heart, My Hands, and Immigrants' Remarkable Journey to Become One of America's Preeminent Cardiac Surgeons. When you hear those things, it's not like you care about the title and the acknowledgement, right? You're just so passionate about getting into someone's organ and fixing well, it. That's what I get yeah, from well, you. Well, this book is not a medical book. This book for anybody, for everybody, this is a story. This is my journey story of immigrant, a story who, kid who has a disability, kid who has, you know, all the disadvantage. If you work hard, if you have a determination, you focus, you have a grit, be prepared to have disappointment. I had many disappointments in life. Did everything I did so successful? No, but I never gave up. One of the words my mom told me when I was a kid, get up, look up, and don't give up. And I follow that. And so if you do all of these things, you will overcome majority of the obstacles most of the time. So that's my encouragement to the everybody, the young kids, people who think that, oh, you know, I'm a minority, I'm a color, I'm a disadvantage. Name it in humanity. When was no discrimination? Always been. So me in the era, there was none every time. So if you go on a negative force, if you dwell on a negative force, you're never going to succeed. you got to look mm-hmm. positive side and keep doing it, keep doing it. You will Beautiful. overcome. Well, I'd really That's love to have you in my upcoming production about, really, it's a television show interviewing immigrants that have come over with basically nothing, but they've worked hard and become something. I came in you this country with $5, and when I five slept bucks. I night, love those stories. I love those yeah, stories. Yeah, I had a five, I have a quarter there, and when I closed my eyes. So I love to come to your television, and it's an inspirational mm-hmm. story for the kids because I hear it all the time in the people telling American dream is over, the gold. No, America is still a beacon on the hill. You mm-hmm. just have to go get it. You know, there you go. So how are you feeling? How are you feeling about all the negative talk today about immigration? Well, I, you know, I'm not a politician, and sister, I'm not going to say anything about it, but I tell you, not, and I feel bad that when people are dehumanizing humans, you know, I feel bad when you tell that every immigrant are the robbers or the murderers, a drug addict. There are a small number, but there are a small number of percent of the, even the good people in this country are that. So it's right. not. You know, they're coming in here to look for opportunity. They're desperate. Nobody wants, did I want to leave my home, my parents, my brothers, the sister, my culture to come? But I came in for a better life and to save my family. Yes, and yes. That's Nobody, what migrates, nobody migrates into a worse situation. They migrate no. because... They're willing to try harder because wherever they are, it's yeah, just not working. Yeah, they see the opportunity. Yeah, so that's what the and remember, you know, this country is, you know, this is our history. This is our heritage, immigration. You know, as our logo says, "E plurum unum." You know, 
part mm-hmm. of many one. This is what right. we are. This, we welcome the immigrants. We welcome the newcomers. And this is the most secret thing for 200 years, more than 200, that we have is a country of immigration. And every generation has done something good for the country. And we cannot turn mm-hmm. over and say, well, no longer. Uh, that would be a mistake. But again, as I said, I'm not a politician, you know, but I do have opinion, and that was my opinion. Beautiful. I love that. Now, health care is a big controversial subject today, and there's a lot of talk about the need for Medicare for All, and many people are unable to get proper medical care, really, due to the high cost of prescription drugs. What's your take on all of this, and is there a solution? Well, Sister, or sister our health, you know, I work on three continents, in England, India, and America. American health, and plus Canada have been qualified. Uh, American health care in the world is the best in the world. Everybody comes here, you know, 80% of our health, you know, people get very good health care. We have about, what, 30, 40 million people who are uninsured, have problems, whatever it is that, and that's a big problem. I do believe everybody deserves a health care. But how do we do that? Look, all the brilliant people in the Washington, the economists, the politicians, they can't come up to thing. And I don't have the answer, but I do have one answer. Mm-hmm. In our health care is big enough and vast enough to can accommodate everyone and each and every one and provide a good health care. But it's not big enough for everybody's greed. Greed is a very important aspect. I see it. There's a lot of greed in every our, our in our society, especially think about it. Look at the profit the hospitals are making. The CEOs are yeah. making five million, ten million dollar. Look at the drug companies are making it. So if we're willing to give ten to fifteen percent of our benefit to the poor, we all be better off. You know, everybody will have the best care. You know, will be everybody will have the best care. But sure. our society is more and more take more will be better, and that's why yeah. they agreed. Think about it. Look at that. Any city you drive, any city you drive, what are the tallest buildings are? Hospitals, the bank, and insurance company. Those are the mm-hmm. three buildings you will see it. Right? Any I never city thought you of go, that. You know, those are the three top buildings. You know, if you look at their earnings, I'm not saying they're doing the thing, but they don't have to be that tall. They could be two floors lower. Of it. Never thought of it. Wow. You know, so it's, you know, so if you if you look back, and that's why I'm saying it, we have enough of a, a big enough our system to give. We're not saying you give 80% or 20%. You take it 20%. That's all you need to give, 15%. If you have mm-hmm. 30 millions of people that are not uninsured, you know, uninsured here in this country, we also must, I have to tell people, if you are uninsured and if you are sickness, you have a sick, no hospital denies your care. You still get the care. The problem is by time you go to the hospital, you're much sicker. And so you don't have a preventive care. So if we can get you have a preventive cares and uh, control your blood pressure, diabetes, vaccination, all of those things, you will never going to get that sicker 
come in the hospital to have a heart attack or a bad diabetes and then going to have a much more expensive care. So I think it's important for us to give away some of those benefits into the poorest. Be charitable. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So it's been 15,000. Wow, over 15,000 hearts I that you have gone into. I more than 15,000 operations, <laughs> heart surgery. Over 40, wow. I did more than anybody in the East Coast, and a touch about another 5,000. So it's been, you know, had been a good journey. Uh, I look back in my in the journey. It has been good. It has been great. Most of my patients did well on the balance the life. You know, so I'm going to ask you an ignorant question. You know, like a mechanic me who works <laughs> a mechanic works in a car for 20, 30 years, and after a while, every time a car comes in, it's like, oh yes, spark plugs need changing. Oh, the alternator's gone, and they just go and do their thing and and finish. Um, have you ever had moments when <clears throat> you know a patient comes and you know you see? I mean, are all hearts the same, or? Are they really different, or how do we understand this organ of the heart, and how do we better take care of our heart? Well, I tell the people who ask, first of all, I'm going to tell you just in a minute. You know, people ask that when you see it, at least me, do you have emotion? Did he was just a cut and dry and cut? Yes, we do. But we, if we, we, well, we, while we're making a decision of performing a surgery, we focus the organ. One of the great baseball players told once, control the emotion, otherwise emotion will control you. So you don't want to get emotionally. That doesn't mean that I'm indifferent to suffering of the patient. Each and every one matters. Each life matters. Yes, all the hearts are not the same, but each life matters. People could have a three-chamber heart. You could have a valve problem. Each one has a different challenge, and each one has a different needs, and try to fulfill it. Uh, I would say the bravest person in my 41 year is the patient who trusted their heart in my hands. You know, and it was my solemn responsibility to try to do everyone to save it. Was it that was successful, everyone? The answer is no. It was not a practical. It's not a reality. But I bear the pain for each and every one who did not make it in deep in my heart. You know, I understood, but I did my best. And so I, I tell the patients and the family, I do my best, and these are the issues. And each one is valuable to each the family and to themselves and uh, it is a life we're dealing yes. with a life here it is a life yes. exactly I love that and and I can feel your empathy as well with the no, fact I love that to come to, I would love to come to your TV and talk about the because this is a big issue and I do want to tell the people what is it the the, the the American dream is not over, and I think that's what people need to know, the kids know to know, that, look, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, medical, I'm not saying you have to be a doctor. Whatever you want to do, do it well and do it something. Mm -hmm. I choose medicine. You know, I think it's one of the best profession, medical profession, not to be just a doctor. I'm just saying a nurse or anything, a physician assistant. You serve the humanity. You make a living. You serve the community. This is the best profession I have ever seen. And, you know, my kids didn't become a doctor, but and I still feel that this is the best profession. Yes, of course. Well, you're saving lives. Um, you support a number of charities as well, including your favorites, the Rhode Island Food Bank and the yes. Ekal Vidyala Foundation, which develops schools in rural India for the underprivileged. Why is giving back so important to you, apart from it's a very cultural norm in Indian culture? Uh, but some do go out of their way, or some do make it a definitely consistent theme in their lives. Why is it so important to you? Well, I I, I always said one thing. I was fortunate to have a two mother. India gave me birth, installed me the value. America gave me the opportunity, and I owed both to them. You know, so I see so many Indians kids who have no access and I had once disabled and I almost went to street. It's a great pleasure to see a small amount of donation which I do it's not millions of dollars but I was able to run three, four schools now in the villages. We have no access nothing. The kids sit on the floor and they have a board and chalks and a teacher. Now they can read and write English they can do the math. I get the picture. I get the letter. It's great pleasure. I'm not saying that all of them are going to be doctors, lawyers, engineers. Some are they are. Some other have gone up. They've gone to college, schools. So it is a wonderful thing. And in this country, it is really painful when I walk around. I never sit on the side of the street to eat. Because it's so painful that you eating a full plate and throw some of them out, and yet people walking in the street hungry looking at your plate. It really bothers me, you know, that we discard and we throw them and so hunger there. I see people in my own state, in Rhode Island, there are so many people, young people, standing in a line to get the food back. So I, I feel the food, and I do other charities, you know, but the food, you know, one of the things I feel, if stomach is empty, you're hungry, that is the worst thing. You want to feed the people, you know. Sure, you want to clothe them. Every charity is a good cause. But, you know, I can't do every one of them. But some of these things which I do is this educate the young people because education is the only way you can get out of the poverty. You understand the humanity. You can save the world. And the mm-hmm. food is is very important to me because if you're hungry, you're not thinking anything. Yeah. And I, it's it's really painful for me to see people standing. And I've seen beggars in India, what it meant, you know, because I thought one day I'll be a beggar with my broken hand, begging for the mm-hmm. food and coin. Right. So it, 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 it's, uh, it's very close to me, my heart, and to my families. And... Uh, and I do other charities, you know, I culturally support the museums and artworks and other things, libraries mm. and other things. But uh, these are my main two uh, resources, you know, go mm. to it. 
I'm looking forward to introducing to you our meditation museum. <laughs> so what is your you meditation traveled, museum? It's in Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, you've traveled to so many amazing places. Um, you've been tested. Your emotions were tested. Your physical limits have been tested. You've been through trauma, and you've also triumphed. What would you say has been perhaps your greatest life lesson so far? Determination. You have to be focused. You have to be get rid of the negative force. Be positive in your life. You're not here forever, but while you're here, do some impact. Do something good for humanity. Mm, that's beautiful. We do need determination. I remembered one of my mentors telling me, if you want to develop determination, keep thinking about benefiting someone else other than just yourself, and you'll always mm. remain determined. So how's the book doing? How's the book, book doing? The book is doing, doing very doing well. Book the book, yeah, I had been many, many you know, uh, book tours. I was in Indiana University last week. Uh, it's alumni. Uh, a few days ago, I was in Boston, artist Carter of Boston. So we've been talking in our radio shows, and book on the first prize in national book competition in memoir category, first prize and gold medal, and we're competing few more, which we'll hear in March. So the first one we heard, we already won the first prize. So book is doing very well, and uh, so. This book was when I wrote it. I didn't. I wanted to write it for my family. Mm-hmm. I wrote it for my kids to and grandkids to read someday and see what I went through when we came to in this country and how they're benefiting it. And while we were writing it up, it ended up a book. Mm. Was there a special uh, chapter in the book that stands out for you? No, it's just the, every one of them is different. And now I must say that some of the uh, writing was not easy because mm. in your life, when you, you move forward, you don't think back. And I had to, you know, you know, when you write a book, it's like a meditating. You have to go there and isolate it and think about it. And many things which I... I had to go back in my darkest day in my childhood of things which I you probably read in the book. It's, it's a very painful to write it down. And it, uh, what I did, I shouldn't have done it, but I was a kid and I did it and whatever is that. But it was not easy. You know, how I felt mm-hmm. about my father and later on I realized he was sick, not really with him. You know, he was had a depression. So all of these things, you know, what you think about some of those things as a child may not be true later on. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Beautiful. So what's next for you, Dr. Singh? Anything on the horizon? Well, next for me is to keep promoting the book, and uh, and we'll see from there. You know, people ask, are you ready to write another one, the publishers? (laughs) I said, we just came out six months ago, this one. Just give me a time before I get tired of this one. <laughs> I know, <laughs> at least on. give you some time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But but my dad was a, a serious, he was in serious meditation. Mm. He probably read in a few pages. 
you know, he would meditate in the morning, uh, every morning for an hour. And I could tell you, if in an earthquake or something happened, the house would burn out, it wouldn't change him. And we were pretty upset at that time with a kid. He said, gee, Dad is doing this thing, something or a bad thing happening. He, he doesn't move. He's just meditating, you know. So, <laughs> but I never got in that much in meditation, but I got the determination and focus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good start. And you know what? The love of your profession is in its form a meditation because med- the Latin term for medi or medere uh, means to heal. And so yes. I think that from my observation of what little I know so far of you or as much as I know from reading, you know, you are doing something not that only heals you, that heals your spirit because you've found your passion, but you're also healing people. So in that form, you're meditating in a way to heal. Now, there's another deeper level in which um, your your thoughts are expanding where there's just a lot of light, a lot of love, a lot of purity, a lot of peace that's coming in. And I would really vote and say that that's happening to you. But, of course, you know, that deep, deep stillness we all wish for every day, at least once a day. So, no, um, I fully agree with you, you know. It's right. The, uh, doing a surgery or whatever, preparing for the meditation because every night, if you read the thing, that every night before the operation, I was wondering about this man or woman or kid I'll be operating about, thinking about it, concentrating. Is this patient going to do well even, or is he going to die on me? Or is he going to, I will lose him, you know? So I, it was never a free moment that I was not, back of mind I had of exactly. this person. Exactly. And so as the exactly. concentration was taking my time, consuming it. I may yeah. be sitting somewhere and talking to you, but back of mind or thinking about it, what's going on with that guy? Is sure. he okay? Or you know, is he gonna be all right? So it's it is a form of meditation. It's beautiful, beautiful story. Um, please, I mean, if you ever come to Washington, D.C., we'd love to host a book signing for you at the museum. And um, any final words? Oh, wonderful. Any final words that you would love to share with our listeners today on our heartfelt Well, I would, I would suggest to each and every one who heard about Your Heart, My Hand is a human story, is a book about the immigrant, a book about a disabled child, a book about a kid who has nothing, $5 in the pocket. And there's a book about how patient impacted my heart, how I impacted theirs, and what I think about state of health care. I will encourage you, please read it, because this is the eye-opening. This is encouraging. This is a positive, you know, give you something in your life to think about it and do something for you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be patient. Something to do for the humanity. Beautiful. Thank you. That was awesome. All Thank the very you, best. Sister. I <laughs> appreciate your interview. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. All the best. Bye. What a wonderful man. I would love him to work on me if I had a problem with my heart. Dr. Arun Singh, everyone, in Rhode Island. So get his new book, a copy of his new book, Your Heart, My Hands, An Immigrant's Remarkable Journey to Become One of America's Preeminent Cardiac Surgeons. You know, one of the things that I've learned about us as people is when you find your passion, 
you're good. Did you hear a part of the conversation? He says, I wasn't such a great student. You know, I'm not such a great student. I wasn't a great student. But when you put your whole heart into something and there's interest and curiosity and his big word of the day, determination. Do never give up. Always maintain your determination. That should give you enough inspiration to wake up in the morning with purpose. I hope you enjoyed our chit-chat. It was amazing. If you want more information on Dr. Arun Singh, go to his website, yourheartmyhands.com. Let them know that you heard about it on America Meditating and that you loved it. So remember, as I end with every show, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So it's imperative that you shine so bright that everyone around you, they're going to want to shine bright too. It's a blessing. It's a gift. It is a need. We definitely need more love in the world today. Take care, everyone. I'm going to end our show with How About Love Divine by Ricky Cage. Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or in iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.